Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. I'm popping my peas already, Paul. I am Jason Carapesi, and as I just said, my cohort in crime here is... Paul Gilleary. Paul, we've both got a lovely Glen Cairn glass of scotch in our hand. It's a, a fine way to record. I don't want to give away too much behind the curtain. I don't want to totally Wizard of Oz this, but... You know, we don't tape on tape. How old am I? We don't record like on Tuesdays when we release the show. We record a day or two in advance. We it's do. A, it's a Friday evening, Paul. It is a Friday evening. I mean, There's, hey, we don't roll on Shomer Shabbos. But. Ooh. We, <laughs> dropping Lebowski references. I we are going to raise a glass in you know honor what? of this, this fine gathering. Our, our weekly Pearl Jam gathering. That is true. And gang, if uh, you appreciated that Lebowski reference as much as I did, you will surely go on your platform of choice and rate, review, and subscribe to this show. Um, It helps the algorithm. The algorithm. Feed the algorithm. Hashtag algorithm. I don't know that's a thing, but I'm told that it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. I bet it is, and it's for like some German engineering company that makes chips. Well, they're probably that, that, that fine American citizens probably believe somehow show up in your vaccine. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was at dinner tonight, as you know, and um, there was a, a uh, electrical box on the sidewalk just you know beyond our table because we were sitting outside. It was lovely out. And the, this electrical box had um, some words scrawled on it with Sharpie. And those words were, don't get the DNA altering vaccine. Oh. That's where we're at in this in this world right now. So listen, this is a PSA. Okay. To all um to all of our fine listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you all get vaccinated, we all get to see Pearl Jam sooner. That is true. I mean, look, I'm 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 not getting political with this. I'm gonna keep it. It's tunnel vision with that. The facts okay? is facts, my friend. Facts are facts. That's our reality. If you all go get vaccinated, we all get to see Pearl Jam sooner. And Paul, it's a lovely allusion to something we're going to talk about in just a moment here. Um, yeah. That being, uh, there was an article this week from our favorite bass player, Jeff Ament, um, talking about um, playing and playing indoors and the resumption of the, uh, the tour that never actually started. Mm. And then we'll kind of skip to another piece of news regarding our favorite rhythm guitar player that is stone gossard on the direction of the band so this is kind of a news and notes edition of the podcast something's happened in the week that was and um we felt it was apropos to kind of knock that out before our month of 10 and by the way wouldn't we be lucky enough that in the year of our lord 2030 no what 2030 holy shit i'm thinking 30th anniversary so i said 2030 2021 that we have Five Tuesdays in August. So, Paul, we get to do five 10 episodes instead of the usual four. It's hey. like we have a leapy day or something. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a 10 
without two fives. So I don't know why I just dropped the. What the hell is that? Mean? I, who cares? Let's move. On. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly nothing. <laughs> By the way, if you if you're hearing an extra bit of reverberation, that is it's, because it's Jason I'm doing in, his his John Bonham impression. Again. I am. I'm I'm back in the John Bonham room. I'm in the uh, I'm in the bathroom. And the levee will and again, break. The levee has. <laughs> Better the levy than the lever of whatever it is you're sitting on right now. Uh, no, I'm sitting on a chair. <laughs> I am not on the porcelain stool. Okay. Um, so, guys, don't get freaked out. I'm not actually going to the bathroom. I'm just in said bathroom because that is the only room that I am able to record it. We have been talking for like five minutes here. Let's get down to brass tacks, my friend. Let's do it. Okay. So, the first piece of business we have to talk about is, oh, hey, there's a second weekend of Ohana. Like, what the shit? They announced this the day after we recorded the last episode. So if you listened last week and you're like, why are these guys talking about Ohana Weekend 2 Encore Edition? Because we literally taped the show and then 12 hours later, they announced it. So, Paul, there's a second weekend of Ohana. Outstanding. Beyond outstanding, in fact. (laughs) Because, as I just mentioned, if you go get vaccinated... Mm -hmm. We all get to see Pearl Jam sooner, unless you live where we live, in which case seeing them might actually not be that prohibitive because after all, how far Jason is the Ohana festival from where you and I reside? Uh, maybe an hour, hour and maybe an minutes? hour. Exactly. So not far. Our beloved band will literally be plugging in about an hour away from our front door doors, plural. That's right. Um, Two weekends in a row, which is pretty. And uh, that's happening in what two months now? It's coming yes. up. It's 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 yeah. quickly descending upon us. And oh my, my I remind you, there will be a um, a limited edition T-shirt upon upon my torso. Yep. So the We're final have to artwork. Be on the lookout for that. Yeah, final artwork is coming very very soon from our friend Matt. We now, by the way, Jason, have all that we need for that process to excellent day. I love to hear it. So Ohana weekend two, that is happening. Paul, I may or may not have bought tickets to the second weekend. Okay. Uh, It is the former. So Jason needs a guest. Jason needs a guest. And, that, and I've been, yeah, I, and I've been, I've been appropriately be somebody that also way. lives an hour away from the <laughs> Ohana festival. <laughs> We're working on it, gang. But nevertheless, Jason will be there the first weekend, and Jason will find a way to be there the second weekend. Tickets are in hand. It's a matter of who will join him and how much trouble he will be in with his wife. But you yes. know what? It's worth it. It is worth it. So that brings us to uh, this Jeff article. That I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And in the Jeff article, it wasn't called the Jeff article, by the way. It just happened to have Jeff in it. It's an article. Yeah. Um, he talks about being nervous about indoor shows. And you might say, well, okay, what does that mean for the first leg that was postponed a year and a half ago? Well, I've got some thoughts, Paul, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as soon as I finish mine. I and I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you lead off the, the next one. Okay. Um, I feel like Pearl Jam has been one of the more conservative bands when it comes to getting back out there. Um, I, I think part of that could be due to their age, maybe. Uh, 
Some bands have decided to tour as early as last month, uh, touring in states that have much more relaxed rules than California, for example. Um, many of these are, you know, no surprise, Midwestern and Southern states. Again, if you are outside of this country, you are probably somewhat aware of what the Midwestern and Southern states are. Your Georgias, your Alabamas, your Ohios, your Kansases, your Texas, that kind of thing. And so some bands out there have been, have been touring or have just started touring and, and kudos to them. Of course, you know, that, that there is a, a bit of a um, uh, risk along with that to the, to the band and the crew and the people who go, but you know, it's, it's up to them to make that risk and that's fine. And I would say at the same time, I understand the trepidation from Jeff um, there has been a plateau in this country of sorts, as far as people getting vaccinated, we kind of have leveled off a little bit and this whole Delta variant thing, um, has just created some more problems. I mean, we just had to, uh, start putting the old mask back on when we're inside places, according to the County. Um, so that sucks and is annoying, especially if you're vaccinated. And I think while most of us can say, with some certainty that we will be fine. Um, those that are vaccinated, of course, um, the band has to account for everyone. And I think the big key here is not wanting to go the route of some other bands like Foo Fighters, for example, who have been requiring um, vaccination to enter the premises. They did a show, they opened Madison square garden up on June 20th. Um, it was by all accounts, an incredible show, but there were people outside protesting the fact that they were, I guess, for lack of a better term, forcing that um, yeah. law. Um, think of that what you will. Uh, that was going to be the case for the July 17th show here in Los Angeles. I have tickets to that show, and that show was postponed because someone in the crew got um, COVID. So that's not until happening until August 26th now. Um but there were there were some issues. There's there some protests with that. Now I ask you, Paul, what do you make of all this? It's not like Pearl Jam are afraid to ruffle feathers if they think something is right. So, like, what's the deal? What do you think of Jeff being being cautious and being a little afraid to kind of get back in there? I mean, you know, he said, "I just don't know if I want to go out and do thirty shows where you're checking vaccination cards." Mm -hmm. Well, Foo Fighters did do that, and that didn't prevent them having a positive COVID test in their own camp. Yeah. Uh, you know, the article mentioned there was a early July festival in the Netherlands held outdoors, mm -hmm. required proof of a negative COVID-19 status and has now been linked to over 1000 new cases. So I, I don't know. I mean, on, on one hand, I feel as though if everybody just gets vaccinated, this thing can't keep circulating and mutating. So, mm -hmm. uh, maybe just do that. <laughs> like I said, you know, the sooner <laughs> everybody gets a shot, the sooner we, we all get to see Pearl Jam. Um, but I, on the same token, you know, I mean, here it's like, okay, Jeff, well, even Jeff if, and the even, band can't make people do that, right? No, like, a, they, they can't even make even if they urged it, um, very, uh, even if explicitly. it was a, like a rock to, to vote type thing, where but yeah. it was, you know, trying to get the shots. I mean, look, it's it's absurd the efforts that states and countries have to go th through 
and two, in order to get people just to do this. I mean, uh, to me, it seemed like a no brainer, but there's so much misinformation mm-hmm. that's being spread out there that, that causes a lot of anxiety and fear and apprehension. We and, have enough anxiety and fear amongst other things. We don't need it on, on we this. We do, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I try really hard to respect personal beliefs and, and personal choices, but the reality is that some of these choices are allowing this thing to persist, mm-hmm. to, to, to mutate, to evolve, and which in turn affects others. And so, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's it, 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 the, 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 the reality on, on the flip side as well, though, is that even if everybody does get vaccinated, you know, even if the ban went that route, it's, it, it's not like it's going to necessarily not be linked the show won't be linked to new cases you know what i mean as yeah the, there, and, there is no absolute example show so, the, the question there's is there's no absolute answer in terms of hey we had a show and nothing that there were no linked exposures you know what i mean uh, so do you it, think it, that's something it's, to do with to um you know we, we have documented uh mike's troubles before uh health wise of course he has crohn's disease i, I have no idea I'm speculating that that could be some sort of X factor when it comes to COVID. I don't know if that helps or hurts or it has no effect, but I imagine he'd be scared either way. He wouldn't know. And when you don't know yeah, I mean, what, look, what the I, answer I, is, you, ha- you tend to be more cautious. Yeah, it, it's complicated. I mean, I could hear somebody saying, well, you know, you have professional sports that are opening up. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go to a, there's no... You were at baseball games this past week. I, I went to two Giants Dodger yeah. games. There's 40 outdoors, plus course, thousand people still. outdoors at both of them. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if somebody could be sitting in the stands saying, well, are you telling me these, these athletes can play, but these guys can't get together for a two and a half, three hour show. It's the same length of the baseball game. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? So I, it's, I, it's I, tricky. <laughs> I mean, it's I, tricky. I've, been, yeah, I've I, been at multiple soccer games the past month, month, a uh, little over a month now. And uh, in multiple states here in Los Angeles, I've been to Kansas City, I've been to Austin, Texas, and um, most places were kind of maskless. But you know, some people had them on. No, no, everyone was cool. No one, no one was a dick about anybody one way or the other, which is fantastic to see. Um, and you know, I was around tons of people who who were maskless and. It's who's, who's to say it's, it's such a hard thing to judge. It, it comes down to what, what, like I said before, I think I have to assume that the level of, um, I guess, I guess responsibility Jeff would somehow feel on a personal band level. If someone were to, I mean, I always come back to the, to the Roskilde thing, obviously completely different but they felt super, super culpable in those people's deaths. And I think there's a bit of that PTSD when it comes to this thing. It's like, if we can try and remove as much. That's a great connection. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a silly comparison, but at the same time I get where the headspace is. For sure. And that it's very possible that that headspace can be attributed. I I should say the decision can be attributed to that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm not, not purely conjecture on our part, but, and if that is the case, I mean, look, I, I don't know what it's like to, to live that. So I, I can't, you know, judge. And they're still going Which on with per- see here now in Ohana for two weekends. So obviously it's not completely super, super cautious. It's just like, Hey, 
Well, yeah. there's a difference between a, a you know a gig here and a gig there versus a full leg of a tour, you know. So I, also, I think, well, also that, and you're spread across. And people, you know, there's people. And most of those venues are indoors. Indoors, and people travel. I mean, yeah. people travel. We've spoken to some people um, in the Pearl Jam community Facebook group on our uh, personal page on our Instagram of, mm-hmm. of people who are who are f- traveling out here for Ohana. Um, and that's, I think part of that is due to the fact that there are no other shows. So, uh, you know, everyone is absolutely, as you told me the other day, jonesing for your fix. Yeah. I mean, it leads me to my next question, which is, you know, he mentions at the end of the article that he sees, you know, if people continue to get vaccinated and this Delta thing kind of starts to wane a little bit that by, you know, late winter, early spring. So, you know, February, March, April, so that, that kind of thing they could pick back up and do the first leg of the tour that was scheduled. That's two years from the original shows. Like, how do you, how does that make you, it seems like an obvious question, but how does that make you feel as someone who is a ticket holder going with me, we're going together and we're waiting two years. Yeah, I know. Again, I mean, without the advantage of, of being able to really probe with the band, all we can do is speculate but I think that we can all come to a consensus on simply agreeing that uh, people's health needs to be the number one priority. And uh, they're optimistic that next year, you know, sometime in the spring, that they will hopefully, barring any unforeseen massive surges of mm-hmm. new variants and so on, that we'll be able to kind of resume things. So I'm, I'm, I, we all thought that was going to happen in 2021 yeah. uh, and just to some degree we've seen a lot come back but uh, it, it doesn't look like we're going to see Pearl Jam and, and a big tour starting off this year so so I wonder um, this is the last little little epilogue here do you think that um, this 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 plateau of vaccinations and this variant kind of pushing the leg probably into 2022 do you think that influenced their decision to add this encore weekend at Ohana? I think so. Um, you know, like they get to play and it's, they're probably rehearsing and preparing and yeah, he I, mentioned I can only imagine them thinking, God, we're so excited. I mean, let's, you know what? Like, let's just do another weekend. It's not like it's conflicting with anyone's yeah. schedule. You know? yeah. Or maybe it is. I shouldn't say that, but uh, it, clearly the band was able to make it happen. It, it's definitely not conflicting with gigs. So, yeah. Well, you know what, gang, um, two things that this made me realize is that the guys are fucking jonesing to get out there. It's not for lack of wanting. They're just being super cautious. I have to respect it. Um, I I am not hardcore one way or the other. I'm just trying to be as reasonable as I can and and as helpful and kind of human as I can to anybody that's around me. And I have to just kind of say, okay. Fucking let's just, you know, I, I've got my vaccinations. I'll tell you right now. Um, I am, yeah. uh, I am, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Deny, not denying. I am uh, ignoring my HIPAA rights. If I can quote Marjorie Taylor. Green. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how HIPAA works, by the way. Uh, but you know what? Going Ohana. I'm excited for it. And we'll just take it day by day and hope that everyone else kind of follows suit and falls in line and hopefully gets on board so we can see effing Pearl Jam and some other concerts um, this year before things are all said and done. Now, there is other good news, though. 
And that good news is that Stone Gossard was interviewed about the direction of the band musically. And he mentioned a very interesting um, analogy, Paul. Would you like to uh, discuss the analogy that he made about where the band is going? I would like to discuss that. He referenced uh, a rather prolific band mm-hmm. in music, Radiohead, and uh, two, two signature albums that I think were, uh, you know, stylistically, sonically, um, artistically, I and mean, every level you can think of, career-altering in a lot of ways for Radiohead. And those two albums were uh, OK Computer and its, its follow-up Kid A. And so I think what's what's really fascinating about those two albums is the evolution of the band's sound into yes. into very different spaces. And I, I think on one hand, it alienated what had been a, a very small core group. I don't even want to call them a core group of fans, but a, a, a smaller group of fans that obviously liked the style of rock and roll that Radiohead played on, on albums like uh, Pablo Honey and... Um, the Benz. The Benz, thank you. And, you know, they come out with this brand new thing, essentially. And I think it, it alienated that group of fans, but it also reached an audience that they had not reached before. That, for all intents and purposes, probably had never heard of the Benz and Pablo Honey, or maybe had and didn't really think they were particularly remarkable. I don't know. Um, but clearly, these two albums were thought otherwise because they've become somewhat canonical in terms of yeah. you know, greatest album lists. Uh, you know, if you look at the top 500 on Rolling Stone or other publications like that, you know, you're, you're definitely going to see those two pretty highly ranked, uh, you know, definitely up there with Pearl Jam's 10, in some cases even higher than, than uh, albums like Nevermind and, and, and some other great ones from the genre of music that, that we love and enjoy talking about here on this podcast. And, I think the the conversation for us is really, okay, well, let's just say they start moving in these very different spaces. Uh, we had a, a brief taste of that with a song like Dance of the Clairvoyance. Um, I'm not saying that everything they do on another album is going to be reminiscent of Talking Heads, but I, I, I would like to, and, and I think Stone attested to that. He, you know, he said, you know, we're not going completely off the rails here, but at the same time, I mean, they're definitely wanting to explore. And, and we touched on this briefly in another podcast. And, and I can say with confidence for my part anyway, that I think this is the right move for the band. I think that they need to continue to evolve and they need to continue to adapt. Uh, I think that uh, the sound that they have can very quickly grow stale. And um, they've avoided that because it has evolved. I mean, but I think that, this though, because yeah. you say that the sound could grow stale. I would, I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate and say that their general sound is considered classic rock. Okay. But here's, here's, here's my account. But doesn't, that. So doesn't that, doesn't that hold the test of time to a degree? No, because the kind of rock and roll they made on 10 and verses was very different than the kind of rock and roll we saw on an album like no code. And that in turn was very sure. different than what we heard on binaural. And, and then Riot Act, and then there was a, a very di- different sound, I think, on Avocado. And what we've heard recently with Lightning Bolt and um, Gigaton 
and, and I, I suppose I'd throw Backspacer on there as well. That's not the kind of music that we ever thought we'd hear from Pearl Jam in 1995, you know, or 1994 or three. And, and so I think that they, they recognize that there's a window to that sound and that they have to constantly churn and burn to a degree. So what does that look like now? Well, I could make the argument that there's only so many ways you can reinvent that sound. And there's, there's only so much bandwidth that it gives them. And there are so many wonderful influences and genres to pull from. So to, to kind of roll in with new instruments, like we saw in river cross or new styles, like we saw on dance of the clairvoyance. I feel like that is indicative of the type of exploration the band is fascinated with, but in, in here, this is a key point here. It's invigorating them. It's inspiring them, which means it's ultimately going to bring out the best in them. Cause if they feel like they're just regurgitating the same thing to appease a fan base, we're not going to see the best in them. And, and the, I'm not saying they're going to phone it in, but it's going it, to, it's going to cage them in to the point where they're just going to kind of wither away to the, and, and you're not going to get the same experience when you go see them live. You're going to purchase albums and you're, and you're going to say, ah, oh, you know what? Like this just feels like another one of that, or this just feels like another one of this. Do you think they've had an album that was like that? No, because they keep evolving, but okay. I don't know how much more mileage they're going to get out of the sound that they have. Because we've heard albums. the term return to foreign form on, on a few albums in the last 20 years. So I just right. I wonder, you talk about. Well, uh, let me ask steel. you a question, Jason. If, yes. if, if we had, so just, just let's just look at the last three or four. Let's go from Avocado mm -hmm. okay, to Backspacer to Lightning Bolt. Do you think as a band, that we saw them growing in a way where you, you saw, you didn't see a, um, a stop sign or, or some type of a, a slowing down as it were. Like for me, the path that I saw was a band that was making albums less frequently, mm -hmm. a band that seemed less inspired, a band that was making music that, that it didn't, they, they didn't strike me as being that challenged. I mean, how do you make an, well, how long was Backspacer? Like 46 minutes or something like that? And, I think and it was under, under 40. How long did it, it take for us to see? Minutes. Yeah. And, and then look how long it took us for us to, to get Lightning Bolt. I, I don't, I just feel as though that they really, and you know, now Ed's playing the piano. There's so many fascinating spaces that they can go explore that I'm just, I'm, I'm personally, as a Pearl Jam fan, I'm ready for new soundscapes. I'm ready for them to mine new territory because I think it's going to, it's going to allow them to expand and it's also going to um, allow them to persist. So I think there's a couple of things there. A, I'm all, always going to be excited about them feeling inspired because I trust those guys to put out good music when they're inspired. Point number two though, um, and I don't think it's mutually exclusive from what I just said is some people really enjoy a a little bit more narrow scope of what they do. And when they kind of branched out a little farther than usual and pushed the boat out into the electronic waters, let's say, it's a very vague term, but you know, digital hi-hats and, and synths on, on clairvoyance and seven o'clock and adding a kalimba and a pump organ to river cross. It's like, those are territories that are very new. And if you are generally a kind of 
straight ahead rock and roll fan that can kind of throw you. And so when I hear OK Computer Kid A thing, that was a massive like genre change for them. And I think I'm more open to that now, the idea of kind of moving into new territory. Um, whereas when I was younger, I think it would have freaked me out more. And, and to be fair, and, and I say younger, but like, you know, when dance came out, I didn't really care for it. I didn't like it at all. I know. For a while. And, and it's still not my favorite, al- favorite song on the album, but I've come to appreciate it on, on different, different ways. What makes me excited about this article and what Stone was talking about is not necessarily um, the fact that they would go in a new genre direction so much as, you know, OK Computer and Kid A were a massive step of songwriting and thinking about an album as a whole piece of art for that band. And I don't, I mean, I feel like Avocado was the closest we've gotten to a concept. I think we talked about that before a little bit. Um, perhaps there will be something even more cohesive, perhaps even an actual concept album coming up. I don't know. I, I, look, the who did it. So I, right. I, I'm, well, that, 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 that's where I was going. Like, you know, Ed is a massive who fan. I think the other guys in the band are as well. They've covered a handful of who songs over the years. That's one thing they actually haven't done in the 30 years of being 31 years of being a band is that they actually haven't done a, a, a concept album. That could be, the the next level from exploring the magnificence of retrograde and the well to be honest with you man i mean i can't even imagine i don't think we can pinpoint where they're at and here's why they have never had the experience of playing gig a ton and see, see to see that reception you know what i mean well, yeah, that so ties I, into our, our it's been two years damn near two years how has this evolved in their brains? Just like listening yeah, it, to it and rehearsing so it. So much of their music. There's no feedback loop. There's no, there is, is feedback based. So they make songs and then they, they get feedback and they see how those songs play live. And then they kind of, that they just keep adapting. This is an album that came out and they haven't had it other than just what people say and what they maybe read. I mean, they haven't had an opportunity to truly see how these songs are being received. I mean, the, the, what, what's the closest approximation going on to iTunes and just looking at the popularity, of which tracks are bought as that, singles? Spotify. I don't know. Spotify. I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, but sometimes you go and you hear a song live and it, it completely connects with you on a different level. So I, I feel as though this is an opportunity for the band to kind of say, okay, we produce, I mean, look, the Beatles did this, they stopped touring mm-hmm. and it brought out the absolute best in them creatively to the point where they evolved into the band that everybody knows today. And Pearl Jam have been forced to stop touring. And they've been forced to stop touring. <laughs> so I'm wondering if we're actually going to see the apex of their creativity and albums that will later be looked at as masterpieces in their twilight era due to this, this lapse of, of recording, I'm sorry, of this lapse of, of touring. And so mm-hmm. I'm actually hoping that, you know, cause Jeff mentioned that they actually got together and they played for a bit and it was mm-hmm. a blast and they loved it. And they just jammed. They just had fun jamming. I would just love to see them get together and just, you know, if they have all this stuff and, and maybe start working on something new, there's nothing wrong with having two album, two new albums worth of material. So yeah i mean it's i don't want to wait another like seven to ten years yeah well that's the other thing i was gonna i was gonna mention um you and you were talking about them being inspired and these longer waits between albums i mean 
we are not in their heads. We are not living their lives. How much of it is, is lack of inspiration versus having lives outside of music? You know, Ed has yeah. two teenage daughters now. And, you know, as, as they have grown over the last 17 years, however old Olivia is, the, the, the records have gotten a little bit more sparse as they've gone. Mm-hmm. So that seems like it's not causation necessarily, but the correlation is there, you know, spending more time with family um, as they get older. I mean, they're 55, yeah. 56, 57 years old now. And I just wonder, you think about backspace or being as short as it was, was it just that they, at the time they felt like running a bunch of short, quick, punchy songs? No, you know what, man, honestly, if, if I had to choose hard to know. between them, like, continuing to be our generation's grateful dead. This these road warriors on tour all the time, getting to the point where they get just burned out and we get an album, you know, maybe we get two, maybe three more albums, period. I would rather them make five or six more albums. Interesting. And really? see them a little less on tour. You know, like I don't need rush. I, you know, <laughs> even even though I, they are definitely, and we we know this, a band who perform or, or writes music to perform it live. I'm not saying I don't want them to tour. I, I don't want them to go the way of the Beatles, but uh, like they, they don't would. necessarily have to just cover every square foot of the U.S. the way that they have in the past. I mean, I, I feel as though they can kind of you know condense things a little bit, focus more on their creative space, create some amazing sounds and then uh you know and look the people who love pearl jam travel for pearl jam Mm -hmm. you did it you went to boston Mm -hmm. you went to seattle Mm -hmm. you've been in new york i mean Mm -hmm. you you, you've traveled how many diehard fans will do that if they decided that they were they're going to sell out anywhere they go so and i know they want to bring the music to the people but i I just i'm very in i love pearl jam because of the music that they make and and if if them slowing things down a little bit as they age in terms of the grind of touring means that we get more new original music, to me everybody wins. So one of the last things I'll, I'll mention here is one thing I recognize from Radiohead, and maybe it's too direct of a of an analogy, or that I'm making it too direct, is that one can argue that OK Computer and Kid A are Radiohead's best records. And and they and they they're, put they're, out a, a couple of really good ones after that. In commonly range. regarded as yeah. So when you think about Pearl Jam, I would say most fans would say their best stuff was before '98. So yeah. if you're going to tell me that there's an OK Computer and a Kid A coming up, that makes my mind start to really spin um, as far as it, quality. It does. I, I think the impetus for Jeff's comment was just exploring Stone? uncharted territory. I'm sorry. Thank you. Stone was exploring uncharted territory. I think it had less to do with saying, you know, we're going to make something that's going to reinvent who we are. And we're suddenly going to be a much more, you know, we're, we're going to be entering that stratosphere. All so, over. Yeah. I don't, I don't and, mean, I don't mean necessarily like um, completely changing who they are. I, I think I mean more like the level of songwriting. And so d- does okay. that, does that bridge some sort of gigaton, um, era songwriting to something more 1992, or does it does it mean that the direction kind of skews more towards like a, a quote unquote modern rock band like Arcade Fire or The Killers and like that? You know, as, as someone know. who really embraces change 
in trying new things, does, does that excite you or does it not even matter because you trust the band so much to put something out that they like? I trust the band to put something out that's going to challenge me. And I trust the band to put something out that's going to be provocative and that's going to expand my own sonic horizons in terms of my expectations and uh, the standards that they set forth. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, I, I don't necessarily believe that they, they have to do any one thing or another. I, I, I want them to follow the path that makes sense for them so that we, we, they continue to be happy as people and fulfilled and rewarded as people. And that in turn, I believe, will lead to us as Pearl Jam fans being happy because I, I think that if they're happy, then we'll be happy too. If they're not happy, then they're not going to produce great music. We're going to see them less on the road and it won't be because they're in the studio making great music. It's because they're just burned out from just, you know, regurgitating and recycling and, and, you know, they're not just grow. They're not growing. I mean, it's all about growth. I think, uh, if they're excited to make music at this point in 31 years, and we're still here as super fans through all of the albums and all the different kind of, changes through the arc of rock and roll. You kind of just kind of trust that what they're excited about is going to be a good time. And it may challenge you like no code and riot acted when they first came out or no, or binaural, um, or it might hit you in the face right away. Like maybe avocado might have or versus. Yeah. So it's an interesting and a provocative um, analogy to make because everyone knows what those albums meant to Radiohead. Um, I think I speak for most people when I would say, well, you've had, you got some time. Maybe you just kind of put out some music. I, I, I yeah, we, we, I don't need <laughs> three or three to five more years of touring and letting gig at time. I just, it's, it's totally thing, fine. By the way, the other thing is the more that they sit on this writing process, the more that they have time to really like, um, overthink things and have, songs from 2017 winding up on a 2020 album it's like there's something to be said for living in some sort of like five month window and saying this is where we're at boom 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 boom, boom. put it out well, we've seen that vitology is a living example of that exactly what's that point it's a, and, and so how there's two ways of looking at it you know the black album took like 15 months to make and it's a fucking masterpiece but some of the greatest albums ever were recorded in a week and a half. I think Nevermind was recorded in a week. So like there's, there's, there's everywhere in between. And I'm just wondering as they get older and have taken more time, could it be a mind fuck to just say, Hey, let's just go ahead and walk into the studio while we have some time and see what happens. You never know. It, 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 you know, it could be an EP, you know, <laughs> there's so many interesting, I mean, you look at some of the stuff Alice in Chains did, you know, which are flies and sap. I mean, it, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to get creative. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where they go. Me too, Paul. Me yeah. too. That's like the more you know part of the show. Do, 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 do. Anyways, <laughs> let's check out our lyric of the week, gang. This week, Paul, lyric of the week does not come from an album. It comes from, I guess, technically a single. And that is called Merkin Ball, and the song is I Got It. My lips are shaking, my nails 
right, Paul. I got id, otherwise known as I got shit. What have you got for me? That's a really fascinating exploration into psychosis. Um, it sure I, I, is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I like this idea. I fight back in my mind, never lets me be right. I got memories, right? I, it's, but this idea is so much it don't show. It, th th there's this constant tug of war that happens with people who suffer from anxiety, people who have difficulty expressing and articulating their thoughts in written or spoken form. I think we take for granted the very, how do I say this? I think we take for granted the process of thought speak. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it's it's it, it, on the surface. It, it seems so we're, we're an evolved species and, and we have thoughts and then we communicate, but we do. There, the, you look at the self-help industry and, <laughs> and, and you start thinking, wow, man, I mean, it's just, it really is to know thyself, as Emerson said, it truly is the greatest mandate anybody could ever follow, you know? And this song seems to, especially the lyrics that you chose, that it really seems to explore this idea of somebody who is kind of locked away within him or herself. I heard myself talk. It's been a month since I heard myself talk. I mean, this is just somebody who just has chosen to not express. And this advantage that life has on you, meaning that there's this feeling of defeat mm. that comes with the fear and the anxiety and the inability to feel like you, you actually can just be yourself and, and feel acceptance and respect and love for that. Uh, this I love, by the way, of, of his songwriting. Picture a cup in the middle of the sea. Love that line. It's such a, a great line. This, this feeling of like isolation where, yes, this is your sanctuary, but any rogue wave or any sudden movement in the wrong direction and you're taking on water. And... and um, I think it's one of the finer lines in Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam's music. And, and I, honestly, it's one of my favorite lines that we've actually had a chance to discuss. That line alone could have been the lyric of the week. It's a shining example of, of the a, type of, of poetry that Eddie Vedder's capable of putting together. It reminds me of the first line of Nothing Man, once divided, nothing left to subtract. Like yeah. that one line says it's the whole song. so much. Yeah, and, and I feel like this line is the whole song as well. So um, I think uh, the, the, the bigger picture here is, you know, find your identity through asking for help. Find your identity through understanding, you know, we talk about the id and the ego, and that's very much rooted in the title of the song, but um, it's, it's the ego that's dangerous. And, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I, I think that there's something to be said for, understanding who you are being more self-aware and making a strong concerted and conscientious effort to commit yourself to that purpose. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, th there have definitely been moments where it feels like everything around me is working against me in life. Um, I've, I've, I think a lot of us have had those moments in time. And I, I've been in situations like where relationship blew up, job is on the rocks, 
I'm I'm running to the bank to deposit like $5. So in cash, so that I don't get an overdraft fee the next morning, like arguing with your parents, like these are, these are stressful times where it just feels like everything is against you. So the whole, like all the advantage life's got on me thing that that's, that's what I got from that. Like everyone can spot a moment in their life where there was just a ton of hardships kind of stacked and it felt like, fuck me, I can't get out of this. Why is it all happening at once? And so I, I really connected with that um, for a certain part of my life. And, and you mentioned it, you know, it really feels like being a cup in the middle of the sea. And yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that feeling so much years later, um, especially as I've found some, some more solid ground between my wife and my family and a job and, and friends and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but to the point of these lyrics, you know, when you're in the middle of the bad times, there's nothing that can really get you out. Your depression is so strong that even when you have moments of clarity with logic, those things can't overpower how you feel. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of, you know, going after a girl. It's like you have like the, you have the, the will, Jason, and then you have your head. And it's like, which one's going to win? It's, it's a kind of like a similar dynamic of like <laughs> the head and the heart. Who's going to win that battle? Yeah. And so often, I mean, this is this is politics 101. You go after the heart. If you can get the heart to commit, it overrules the head almost every fucking time. And every it's, time. that can be very annoying <laughs> if, if, if that, if the, what it's overruling is sound logic, <clears throat> get vaccinated. Um, <laughs> but sorry, not sorry, but um, you, you kind of, you kind of talk yourself out of turning a corner and all you have in that moment are memories of good times and right now, in that moment, you've got nothing. So the memories don't mean shit. So you've got memories, you've got shit. It's the same fucking thing in that moment. And the depression is so bad, you can't even acknowledge the good times at all. They're, they're just drowned out. You know, call back to the cup in the sea. And I think a lot of us have been there. And, and, and so just as a reminder, you know, the, the name of this song, as you mentioned, and you alluded to with, with the ego and the id, is I got id, not ID, not identification. And it's a common misconception. But if you Google the word, you get this. The part of the mind in which innate instinctive impulses and primary processes are manifest. It's a Freudian term about our internal desires. And I mentioned the depression you can find yourself in where nothing is working for you. I mentioned also being aware of what you want and the good times you have had before, but not being able to overcome them. So now imagine that there really is something, a new promising love, perhaps. You can recognize it, but you don't have the confidence to go after it because of the depression you're in. Imagine that paralysis. I think we have all been there to varying degrees, and it's a real struggle. And for me, that's what the, the lyrics and that what this, what this song is about is finding yourself overcome by the, this idea, this feeling that life has just weighted down on you, that it's against you, despite something, a beacon that you can see and you just can't, you're paralyzed to get past it. And it's a feeling we can get past it, but it's a feeling that is too common. And um, this song has always really 
hit me in, in a lot of ways and I, and I love it for it. That's yeah, one, one of your favorite openers, right? Knew that, that would be Long Road. Long Road. But, right. but, but this song is a, a, a big favorite of mine and I wish they would play it more. And I, I can't tell you off the top of my head if, if I've heard it live or not. God, I have to go. I have to go to my stat tracker. Mm, the old stat tracker. Well, yeah. you know what? Why don't we listen to the best live version of that song with our live cut of the week? live cut of the week of i got it i got shit whatever you want to call it comes from where and when we're going salt lake city utah november 1st 1995 
So this version, Paul, this is a song that I think the, the key with this song is how Ed sang both of the Merkin Ball songs. This is a time in his life, time in the band's life, when things were very volatile. Things were very on edge. Um, there was a lot of vulnerability and a lot of... Um, they, they were unsure of, of where things were going to end up. They, they were sure of themselves to a degree, but they weren't sure of whether or not what they were choosing to do was going to work out. Yeah. Um, this whole tour was, what was, was like that, but the way he sang these songs um, on the, on the, on the single and live at the time were just absolutely meant to be um, these yeah, two songs personal. Were, Exactly, exactly. These two songs were written with a sensibility that mid-90s Ed vocals and that ability is it's required for me. And yeah. it's, like, it's like a combination of that really pretty and clear voice that Ed had at the time, plus that perfectly strained vocal timber. And I think that coupled with how good these drums sound, how good Jack sounds on this recording, how good the guitars sound. I think you nailed it. I mean, it's it's a song that I think still sounds amazing today, but this song in actually this song more so than Long Road, this song really shone in 95. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like this uh this is the type of track and and you know my my prerequisites mm -hmm. for uh for these are generally to try to find the best version of a song from the tour in which the album on which it showed up on. And so, you know, this is one of those things where I'm sure there's an amazing version from 2003 of, uh, of this yeah. track, but it's not the same because it, it's not rooted in the time period from which the album, I'm sorry, from which the song was spawned. And so 1995 Salt Lake city, Utah, I have to give a little shout out here. Uh, you know, if you go to, we got shit.blogspot.com, you will notice that uh, there is a very wonderful Pearl Jam audio file who goes by JWB, who uh, took these soundboard remasters and then put, put them up. And they're available in FLAC for anybody that wants them. There's 14 essential pre-2000 soundboards remastered in FLAC and MP3, if, if that's your jam. And this was one of them. And so it, it's, it, to me, it's a, it's a premier soundboard recording that offers us a glimpse into the real heart and soul of the song i mean we get that strained timber we get that clarity and so i think it's a great song love it i love this song so much i think it still resonates you're right i think you could go back to 03 and find something great but because of the way he delivers this song because of how intimate the lyrics are um it's a very personal song. Most songs of the era were very kind of outward looking at the world. And this is very internal and it, uh, it absolutely worked. Uh, there you go, guys. Um, that is the episode and we will be back next Tuesday with the first of five, 10 specific 
episodes. We have a 30th anniversary, Paul. We've got to celebrate. We certainly do. Can't wait. Very excited. So uh, I'm not going to give away what the topic will be, but it will be 10 related. And you bet your bottom dollar that the lyric of the week is going to be from that album. And until we get to that point on episode 66, episode 65 right now, you've been listening to State of Love and Trust. Yeah.